Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning into The Naturalist Capitalist for another episode. Uh, today, I've got a very important interview, probably the most important one I've ever done. Uh, as a lot of you guys know, I've been talking about the Epstein-Maxwell case recently, just because most people don't know anything about it. And uh, I reached out on Twitter to Maria Farmer, who was the first victim to ever report uh, Epstein and Maxwell to the FBI 25 years ago. And she was kind enough to come on. Uh, so I want everyone to welcome Maria Farmer to the studio. How are you, Maria? Hi, nice to meet Nice to see you. Thanks. Sorry, I'm not used to this phone. It's counterintuitive. It's, it's fine. Um, we've been, uh, just in case anyone didn't know, we tried doing this live and we've been having all sorts of technical difficulties. So we're going to pre-record this. I have technical issues. And uh, we're going to hope for the best. But uh, Maria Farmer, you're, you're, an, uh, you're an artist. I was a long time ago. It's been over a decade since I've tried drawing, but I was when I was in high school. Um, and uh, I, I really like drawing portraits. But what was it about... Um, what, what type of art do you do and what got you interested in it in the first place? Right. Um, it's just sort of the, the way I've always kind of handled the world was to express myself through drawing. And also it's the way I interpret everything is aesthetically. So I'm pretty much, um, I was kind of born to draw. I have taken periods of, I took a full 20 years after this trauma to even pick up a paintbrush because um, I'm also, it's also the way I kind of spiritually connect with things. You know, I, I ask God if I can borrow this thing. And um, so it's sort of, if I can't go there and do that, then I can't even draw. And so I was completely blocked also because I'd been so devastated about the way my art had been mishandled and stolen and the way that these photographs that I used for my art had been stolen was so traumatic that I just couldn't get back to art for a very long time. And then now I'm doing what I would call revenge art <laughs> and I'm having a lot of fun with it. Um, so I'm just really doing a lot of stuff out of my head involving the people that harmed me. Yeah. So when your story starts is kind of in art school, when you first get introduced to Epstein and Maxwell, you want to just tell us how that happened? Yes. Um, I was kind of shoved into their orbit or they were shoved into mine. And um, basically after that, the same person who put them in, in my orbit kept shoving me and kept uh, and it was a person of power and a, a position over me in school. So <sighs> um, I was just being abused by this person and was told that this is where I was going to work. And so I did. And the first job I had was actually to procure art, not people. I didn't have that job ever, but it was to procure art for um, Jeffrey Epstein. And so I thought it would be a great job because I could, I can't figure this phone out. It's like so different than <laughs> it's like I have to keep moving it aside or something. Anyway, um, I, I was getting artwork for, for um, Epstein, really great art in exchange for him providing um, money allegedly to these artists, but he did not provide money. Unfortunately, he just provided nothing to them and they were starving artists. So I tried to quit that job and he wouldn't let me quit that job. He said, no, 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 you're not quitting. So then he had me um, actually working at a desk and at his 71st street mansion. And I was the person to just 
like fill out uh, this this book of when people came in and out, um, basically sign them in, sign them out. So I saw a lot of creeps <laughs> coming in and out of that house. Yeah. So uh, what year was that that you first were introduced to him? Yeah. So 1995. Okay. 1995. Yeah. And was your when was your sister first involved? Was it around the same time or was it later on? No. Um, my sister did not. Uh, you know, I, I would just start, be I began working for them in 1995. And of course I was bragging the whole time to my family about this amazing guy and, and his wife, you know, that's what we were told by Guilan that they were married and they were just so amazing because they were patrons of the arts, but also they really like to help students, you know? And um, I'm sorry, I'm having, <laughs> uh, they like to help students with, um, <laughs> with money and allegedly, you know, paying for supplies, playing, paying for books, um, providing an education. And actually that's not at all what ended up happening, but that's what we were told. And so Gilan would always like kind of say, well, Marie, you have a sister. You should, you should introduce this to your sister. And I was always bragging about my sister, Annie, because She's the most amazing person I've ever met. So I've bragged about her to everyone my whole life. I never imagined that an old couple, like uh, way older than me, would be interested romantically or sexually in a child. It just never occurred, occurred to me in a million years. And I did not figure it out until I was assaulted because what they did with me was so inappropriate. I realized they had no boundaries. Yeah. So what were the events that led up to you eventually reporting them? Because I know you were right. at uh, Wexner's estate for a while, but what specific events finally made you say, okay, this is, this is bad. I got to get out of here and I got to, I got to do something about this. Mm -hmm. So I worked for a year for Jeffrey Epstein and Gilan. And after about a few months of seeing all these models, they said, coming and going, I asked, like, why are all the models children? You know, why are they all children? And Gilan said, well, because the limited corporation has a lot of companies and basically, you know, children model. <laughs> and I didn't realize that children modeled. I thought that was really weird. And but they had modeling agents there, like the head of them, like Katie Ford was there. Um, she owns Ford Modeling company, agency, whatever, um, so all of them basically, you know, were lurking around. And then you had all the people who were like the hair people and um, just people with credibility they always had around. But uh, it ended up that I felt creepy. I thought they were weird. And I said, I just don't want to do this job anymore. I don't understand mod the modeling world and I don't want to be a part of it. And, you know, just signing people in even. And so they said, no, 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 actually you can't quit. <laughs> we have another job for you. And that's that you're going to work at, um, you're going to do, okay, I need to back up. I was given a project to work for the movie As Good As It Gets. The director asked me to do the project. And it was actually not the director that asked me. It was Eric Fischel, who was my mentor. And he said, oh, I'm going to give you this job, Maria. You need it. And it was a great honor for me because he was friends with James Brooks. And so I thought that was just the biggest honor. And it is one of the greatest honors I ever received. Neither of them can seem to remember it. But I remember it really well. <laughs> and because... Um, I was going to be very well paid to do these paint. And I'd done paintings for a lot of movies, but I hadn't been paid really. Um, and this was something that I would be well paid. And I would also then be able to go on and sell the art 
afterwards. So they wouldn't even own the paintings. So I agreed to do it. And Epstein said, well, you don't really, you, I lived in 500 square foot apartment and that was my studio and my living space. And Epstein said, well, I tell you what, you can go to this place and, and, and they, they have all the space in the world. It's Abigail Wexner and I've spoken to her and, and Leslie Wexner and Abigail Wexner said she wants an artist in residence. And I was like, ah, I just really didn't want to live in someone else's house in Ohio. I had a boyfriend in New York. You know, I just, I just wanted to be in Manhattan with my friends. And I was young still, you know, I, I just wanted to enjoy the city, but I did, wasn't given the choice. And so I had to go live at this place, which ended up being the death of me, literally, literally ruined my whole life. Uh, Les Wexner's house. Yeah. So uh, what about uh, this guy, Cy Twombly? I thought that was an interesting, disgusting mm-hmm. story. Like, uh, it's disgusting. Th- yeah. Well, just so tell the us about people, that. So the people that I'm not allowed to discuss right now. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, are the ones who set that up. I'm glad you brought that up, though. It was really gross. It was like they just, uh, these people with power, I'll just say black book effers, they all think that we're just these plebeians that don't matter and we don't have souls. We don't count. Um, they can do whatever they want to us as, because they have money and we don't. And it's just astounding. And, and I think people are starting to actually see what I saw for so long through this trial, right? Um, if you just look at the people in this trial, every single one involved in this trial makes me physically sick. I don't mean the witnesses. God, those precious girls got up there. And, you know, that that's such a huge thing they did for all of us. And I'm very grateful. But I just think that the fact that, well, um, Judge Nathan put on a mock trial with Alan Dershowitz prior to this. Is she mocking us? Is this funny? Because it doesn't feel funny. It doesn't feel funny that Ghislaine Maxwell's lawyer also represents Tartaglioni, who killed Epstein, guaranteed. No one else was in the room. Who else killed him? And um, she represents Tartaglioni. Of all the lawyers in the world, she's representing both of them. And she's former SDNY. Now, was she SDNY when I made my report? Yeah, I think she was. So we have a problem here. You know, it's called nepotism. (laughs) And it's the rich versus the very not powerful not rich. Yeah. So uh, once you actually reported this to the FBI back in 96, what was the response you got from them? What did, what did they say and what did they do? Okay. So when I made my report, um, well, first I went to the NYPD and I knew them. I think they thought I'd lost my mind or something in, in, in Ohio. Like I just left my mind there because who comes in talking about sharpshooters Dobermans, um, you know, criminals. And I I didn't know they were intelligence. I didn't understand uh, intelligence. You know, I didn't know what that was. But I went to NYPD first and they were really sweet to me. But they said, Maria, this is just too weird. And it didn't happen here. It happened in Ohio. You know, it happened in, in Florida. It happened in New Mexico. So you need to report that there. But here's the thing. Gilan just threatened your life here in Greenwich Village. So we're going to record that. And so they did. But they said, here's who you need to call. And they handed me a phone number for, I guess, SDNY. It was FBI. It was, I believe, New York. Because I asked in that conversation, I said, 
do I need to call the separate agencies? Like, I didn't know how they connected. And I'm like, do I need to report all this to FBI in Florida and in um, New Mexico and in all these states and in Ohio? And they said, uh, you can do what you want to do. Mm -hmm. So when I called, I'll tell you what I said. And mm -hmm. it's not, it's my uncomfortable truth of what I said. It's the truth. And it's all I knew at the time. I don't even know if it's accurate. I just know um, when I say, I don't know if it's accurate is these people who um, claim this one religion, they claim to be um, this religion, but they don't act like it. They don't act like a religious person. It's like those priests who rape children. Really? Are you a religion? Is that what's making you do that? I don't think so. So they hide behind the user's religion is a shield. And this group, and I'm not even sure that's actually their religion. You know, I don't know. It's just like they went eeny, meeny, miny. I'm going to steal that one. <laughs> that's what it feels like. Because um, at the time I was dating a, a Jewish guy and I called him. I'm like, you know, your dad, his dad ran Sloan Kettering. He's like the most amazing doctor, Dr. Mendelssohn. And I'm like, you know, your dad's never spoken to me the way these people are, but they actually said I can't go eat because I'm the wrong religion. And Jeff just said, that's insane. You know, I mean, people don't act like that. So anyway, what I'm saying is they pretend that it, this is okay because of religion. But they, they, when I called the FBI, I said, I'm reporting the Jewish mafia. And the guy said, what do you mean? And I said, what do you mean? What do, you, what do I mean? They're Jewish, they say. And they're the mafia. And, and I explained in great detail. I said, well, I said, do you have a file on Wexner? And, uh, you know, I couldn't tell if like I was transferred to another guy or if this guy's voice kind of changed his intentions or his voice. But he basically was like, uh, it answered in the affirmative because I then said, how big is your file? Is it like really thick? I mean, I was just totally dumb. I didn't understand anything. And, and I don't know where I even got all that. Like I didn't even watch TV or anything. So I don't know where I would have gotten this. I did never thought about the FBI in my life. But I knew that the FBI offered witness protection to people because I had like heard of that feel like a crime show before. And I asked for that and I was denied witness protection. But not only that, I said, I'm reporting the mafia, right? Like who doesn't protect someone who's reporting the mafia? Well, they, they didn't want me to live. And they waited 10 years to come back to me. But when I made my report, I said, I need to tell you about all the other people. I saw a lot of people and they're all part of this. And I was very clear. I said, this is an international pedophile and pornography, child pornography ring. And I explained very clearly about these photos that Gillian Maxwell had stolen at Les Wexner's from me, from a safe in an, in an area where she was obviously watching on a pinhole camera. And I explained how these photographs are devastating for our family, that I need them back, that it's, you know, devastating psychologically for me. And that um, I don't want my, my sisters looked at in that way. And I didn't want my, and they, you know, they had a picture of me as well. I, I cared less about that. My sisters were children. Right. And, and I said, you know, this, uh, this, this situation, it has to be dealt with because it's international. And I said, and then the way I know it's international is I see all these people that are dignitaries coming and going from the house. And, um, I also made it, I couldn't have been more articulate, which is why I think they won't give me my report because I said, I need, I need to include some people. I said, the main person in this is Bill Clinton. There's a huge, he's got a huge connection to this pedophile ring. He was the sitting president, right? I'm like, you need to understand that the president is a pedophile.
And they're like, um, well, you know, okay, whatever. And then I said, and also the people involved other than Jeffrey and Gillan, Dershowitz, you know, all these people, I said, the person that's involved is Bill, is Donald Trump. I thought he was a game show host or something. He didn't even have a TV show then. I don't know where I got that, but like, he was so cheesy. And I said, I'm sorry, but Donald Trump, you know, is involved in this too. And they made him president later. So, you know, um, unfortunately our government really um, favors pedophiles. Yeah. Yeah. It's really unfortunate. Disgusting. So just so people are clear and in case they haven't heard your story elsewhere, the, the pictures of your sisters were ones that you drew for anatomy, right? And then they, you had no idea they were going to end up using them for what they use them for. Right. Okay. So since I was very young, I've been collecting pictures and, you know, of things that inspire me that I would like to use later. And, you know, now we do it on our phone, but before that I did it um, just through collecting them. And I was also documenting for myself. I had like really struggled with puberty. And so I was doing this series about puberty. And so when, um, when James Brooks asked me to do the paintings for that film, as good as it gets, I asked him if I could do it about this subject. And he said, well, yes, that's perfect. So I was painting my sisters from photographs that were partially nude. You know, you could see part of their body. They weren't, pornographic but they were going to be they were used by those people as pornographic you understand like i understood immediately like my one sister was 12 and part of her breast was showing that's not okay for you to be drawing that yeah i mean for sorry that's not okay at all for you to be stealing that because that was for me to draw which was like a separate thing and i wasn't drawing that part of it either you know so it was just um i had those i had those pictures locked away in a safe and i had them in the basement at, at uh, Les Wexner's house. But Gilan, looked, Gilan and Abigail Wexner watched everything in that house. And I know because I, I spilled something on the carpet once and Gilan called me screaming that Abigail was gonna have a fit and I was gonna need to leave. And I was like, yes, I get to leave. You know, I was so relieved. Um, because the whole time I was there, I wasn't allowed to go outside because they had sharpshooters and Dobermans. And I was told by this guy, Randy Bowie, when I first arrived, you're not going outside again. Just you just forget about it. And I was a runner. So I'm like, what the heck? Like, I can't go outside and go running. No, nope, wasn't allowed. I was allowed to go outside on like four different occasions the whole time. Yeah, it was really stressful. Yeah. So tell us about the uh, pinhole cameras and the the display that you saw the the men sitting in front of watching every room. How did you find out about that originally? Was that your first clue when you spilled something and she knew it immediately? Or no, um, no. So those are two different residences. So uh, at 71st Street, um, I was told about the pinhole cameras by Guilin. They were uh, ubiquitous throughout the place. And um, she pointed up to a pinhole camera next to my head and said, there's a pinhole camera, darling. We're watching everything you're doing. And it was right next to my head where I was seated. So it made me uncomfortable. And so I asked Jeffrey about it. And he said, oh, come on in here. I'll show you. I'll show you where all that goes. And yeah. And then all that that went through there went to Ohio. And I know because Jeffrey and Gilan told me, or Gilan didn't tell me, Jeffrey told me. Gilan never told anyone anything. She was a big liar. But Jeffrey actually, if you asked him things, he'd tell you. <laughs> so I believe him, you know. 
Um, and, and why uh, he also told me that, uh, that Epstein, I mean, that, that Wexner out outfitted was the word he used. I'd never heard that outfitted all of his properties mm -hmm, with pinhole cameras. And Ghislaine was so proud of these cameras. She was like, Oh my gosh, we keep everything. We just keep everything. Yeah. Recorded. Yeah. So. Yeah, so there were men watching a display of all the rooms all the time, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So obviously that was used to blackmail people later on, right? That's what mm -hmm. all these were really there for. And they were just acting yeah. like it was just for security. Is that what they were trying to tell you? Or um, Yes. So at one point, um, Epstein had said it was to guard all the art. He had horrible art. He had bad taste in art. The only good art he had was what was stolen from me or from the other students that I helped him acquire, unfortunately. So, and, he, and after I left, he never got good art again. I, I saw the stuff he collected. It was just really bad. Um, but so that didn't make any sense to me. So I asked him, why are these, why is Wexner, why did he have it provided first? And he said, well, he does collect Picassos and things like that. But then he said, but also, really, Marie, he's just paranoid and weird. Yeah. That's what yeah. he said about Wexner. And yeah. when we saw this display, it wasn't just like the hallways and the living room or something. It was bathrooms, bedrooms, places right. where you're supposed to be private. Not yeah. really, obviously not really about security, about something else. Right. Really. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was all the private spaces is where is where he had them. Um, yeah. The cameras pointed. But they also just had them everywhere. You know, but the places where those men were monitoring were private scenes. It was weird. Um, they they would brag about things like the pinhole cameras and the sharpshooters and the Dobermans. And I don't understand that, you know. So I didn't, but for years, I didn't put it together that they were intelligence. I just, I thought it was mafia. You know, I just thought that's what mafia does. I didn't realize intelligence is mafia. I didn't know they were the same thing. That's why I say I don't know that I reported the Jewish mafia. I reported intelligence to intelligence. And that's what's so scary about this whole thing is that, well, I tried to get my um, FOIA request met for months now. I've been trying to get it met um, through the FBI, through federal court. You have to sue to get it. And the FBI said, yeah, no, CIA said you can't have it. What? That's never happened. Like, never Okay, what does the CIA have to do with Jeffrey Epstein? Aha. Why was Ghislaine Maxwell reading a book about the CIA when she was allegedly caught, but her lawyer Menninger, that creepy lawyer, um, posted that picture of her? You know, it's allegedly in an in and out, but it was photoshopped, but it was Ghislaine, and she was reading that book about assassinated agents. And they assassinated Epstein. He, he was CIA. I mean, as soon as I said it to my sister, Annie, Annie goes, oh, my God, he was CIA. No wonder. Uh -huh. Bam, you know, and I know everyone wants to believe like everyone's like, no, it was Mossad. And OK, here's the thing. I don't think there's any difference. I think once they're like intelligence, they're dirty. And I had a guy that was following me online and he said, Maria, once they leave the desk, they're dirty. Because I was really disappointed because I had this agent that I loved, Nesbitt Kirkadal. And she's like really beautiful. And um, she was a mother. And um, since the 2006 agreement, when she came to visit my sister and I to have us testify in Florida, since that agreement, no one's heard from her and she's been in hiding. They wouldn't give her. And I saw where she had signed off on it, but she didn't want to. 
And um, I guarantee you she's devastated. You know, she has daughters. She doesn't want these people out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, Ghislaine and uh, Jeffrey, they talked a lot to you. It seems like they said a lot of stuff that mm -hmm. I, I don't know, maybe if you're in that lifestyle, it's uh, <laughs> you have to have some sort of outlet. You have to tell somebody. I don't know. But they I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. Like I was literally, um, well, the other people called me the nobody, you know, and I was just the person I was 25 years old working at a desk at this schleppy job. It wasn't like I was someone they would confide in, but if I ever asked Jeffrey a question, he sure answered it. And like, I asked him about Wexner, why would he give you a house for a dollar? That kind of thing. And he said, he'd do anything for me, Maria, anything. Yeah. Yeah. What I don't have any friends like that. I don't know. Call me crazy, but. Yeah. So, uh, Ghislaine, um, you know, it's kind of trying to be, they're trying to paint it as though she was just a sidekick and she didn't have a lot of right. internal dealings with this, but that's obviously not true. What can you tell mm -hmm. us about Ghislaine and okay. her connection right. and her father and the Royal family and everything? From right. Right. Um, I can tell you that Ghislaine was definitely brought in to bring all the people and the credibility. He didn't have any of that. Um, right. Epstein, Epstein had um, more of like uh, a charm about him. Like he was kind of down to earth and um, you know, he's from Coney Island. He really played that up. He would wear a Harvard sweatshirt and sweatpants all the time, but say, see all this stuff. I don't need any of it. I could live in a tent. And I really think he kind of could have, but he really enjoyed it as well. And he loved holding things, wielding things over people. Ghislaine is who taught him that. Ghislaine was the, um, she was definitely the fire behind this thing. She she was the one providing the peop the children, right? She would run out every day and get new vials. But she would also say that she was providing all the models for Victoria's Secret, you know, for Les Wexner's companies. She called it the limited corporation. Um, but she was really just providing all of her friends with these children. That's that's what I really believe. Obviously we know it's to be true. Um, look at what she provided a human being to the prince, right? That prince was, he's really gross. So I had never, I thought he was just somebody who went to the academy to school, like to, I didn't understand he was even a prince. I didn't care. Uh -huh. And when I saw his picture at her, at her house, she showed me all these photo albums and she said, um, Oh, that's the prince, you know? And I'm like, that guy's the prince. Isn't that that guy from the academy? And she's like, no, Maria, all those people are at the Academy all the time. That's, that's the Prince. And that's the other Prince. And then, you know, I mean, all of them were there like Prince Charles and anyway, but Ghislaine, um, she's always grown up in this e extreme wealth. She told me that the Rothschilds protect her family. Like who has that gig? You know, I want that gig, <laughs> but, but you know, uh, all these people get, get everything for a dollar and then they have the wealthiest people on earth protecting them. That must be nice. Um, there's something up with these people and they're not, and I'm not trying to be uh, weird, but they're not like anyone I've ever met. I don't know how to explain it. It's like, there's this group of people that own the earth and they don't act like humans. They're psychopathic. They're psychopathic, but it's deeper than that. Like it's something spiritual. Like they're not, I know this sounds weird, but it's like they don't have souls or something because they don't behave like people who have any, compassion or any kind of um 
I mean, who takes children? Who would Virginia is beautiful? She's a beautiful human being. Who thinks they can sell her? I, I don't understand this. Mm-hmm. Who in the world? The most perplexing thing that ever happened in my life was when I found out that when we were at the movies seeing 12 Monkeys, the stupid Brad Pitt movie, um, Epstein was fondling my sister in that theater. And she told me, you know, a few years later. That is almost, I guess that's how people feel when they have like the dirty uncle in the family or something, but you sure as heck don't expect it, you know? And it's almost like you only see what you know. And our family had never seen this before. And I was shocked that Annie didn't say anything. And then I read that children don't say anything. They don't want to upset. She didn't want to hurt my feelings or have me lose my stupid job. Are you kidding me? I mean, so that's how a child thinks, right? And that's why this is illegal, what they did to Virginia. She didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. She didn't want to cause any problems because she's a kind child. And they sold her like she was a commodity. And it caused me to have cancer, to know that the FBI never did anything, never did anything about it. See, Virginia wouldn't have been a victim. None of those girls would have been victims after Annie. If they right. just won their job. Well, they did do their job, actually. Because that's what they do. And it's just, so it's so hard to understand why we still have these intelligence agencies. Yeah. I, I thought the minute I mentioned it, everybody take down the FBI. I really did. For years, I was like, mm, that FBI is coming down. People are like, I don't know. And then as soon as um, I thought after I would mention it, that they would know that the FBI is very abusive. They've abused me through this whole thing. Um They've been cruel. It's disgusting. They barely shook Virginia's hand. Like they don't want to acknowledge her. Um, well, they don't want anybody to know what they've done. Yeah. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> I want to talk about Les Wexner a little bit. You worked mm-hmm. at the state for a year. You never actually met him in person, but mm-hmm. you, you heard a yeah. lot about him. Right. And yeah. um, I feel like I was at his house. Yeah. So here's the thing about Les Wexner. Before I went there, I said, Oh, what's he like? And Jeffrey said, you don't have to worry. You won't meet him. And I said, why won't I meet him? And he said, nobody meets Les Maria. Nobody. And I said, why not? And he said, he doesn't leave his house. And I was like, what? Because at the time he had just told me he had gotten that one house for a dollar, right? From Les. So um, I was like shocked that, sorry, I'm sitting weird, but I was really shocked that, um, that, you know, Les would give him that. And he said, well, he's never going to come here again because he doesn't like to leave his house and go to New York. So why would he come to this mansion? So he wants me to have it. But yeah, no, I never met Les. Um, I, when I asked about why he didn't leave, Epstein said he's very paranoid and weird. That's what he said. And um, so I didn't meet either of them. I did see Abigail and I spoke to her on a few occasions. Yeah. She denies that I ever lived there. And then when I was moving my um, driver's license fell out of a book. I'd used it as a bookmark and mm, it's one white barn road. My driver's license, I had to get it when I first moved there because Jeffrey and Gilan insisted that I pick them up at the airport whenever they fly in. Yeah. So he financed a lot of the properties for Epstein and Epstein told you this, right? Like it's, he, he bragged about it. Obviously, yes. Yeah. Um, Epstein property. said, Epstein said, I only, you only need one client when your client's a billionaire and he funds everything. Yeah. So he said that was his only client. And back then, I guess he was his only client. Mm-hmm. So um, how many of these properties did you go to overall? Um, all of them. All of them. <laughs> Except uh, he didn't have that. He didn't have that island. 
when I worked for him. Thank God. So I didn't go there. Uh, I, I do want to say something that's really weird that people, I think people don't really understand. That's been so upsetting about all this. I'm going to try to put my arm so it doesn't keep moving. Um, is that once you've been kidnapped, I didn't know the word for it. So for years I was like, I was stolen. You know, I would tell people and they would say, what do you mean you were stolen? I'm like, I don't know. I wasn't allowed to leave and I was held hostage. And then I heard about the word trafficking, but that doesn't even really apply totally because, I mean, they stole me for themselves, right? To So they could have my family, basically. I was too old for them. I was 26. So, but they, you know, they assault people just for control and power, I think. Um, but being kidnapped is like, um, well, the girls on the island, like Sarah Ransom and Virginia, who brave, brave, and Shantae, these girls bravely escaped, right? I'm so proud of them. People should look them up. They're amazing heroes. Sarah Ransom, you know, obviously Virginia Roberts, and, and, and Shantae are all three people who had to escape that island. And I feel real connected to them because I had to escape Wexner's and it's the same thing where I didn't think I was going to make it out of there. I was promised I wasn't going to make it out of there by the man holding, you know, a, a sh the sharpshooter. Right. Yeah. So um, it, it does numbers on you. Yeah. Yeah. People no, think sure. that people are like, Oh yeah. Um, I suffered violence and uh, like, you know, I was molested by my cousin or something. I'm like, that is awful. But that's not what we went through. What we went through was more about, um, I mean, it is horrible, you know, the sexual abuse and stuff. But what we went through was intelligence abuse. You know, it's a totally different thing. I don't know if anyone's ever gone through this before. I mean, maybe, I guess, well, that's the dumbest thing I've ever said. A lot of the people in the world have gone through it, especially in the United States. But I don't think that, I don't know if most people know that it happened, like unless they're MK Ultra or something. I don't know. It's strange. Yeah. Yeah, there was. So tell us a little bit about that time <clears throat> that that guy came to actually kill you and you just did not let go of the post. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that. Um, so when I was at Wexner's house, um, I had been assaulted by Jeffrey and Gillen the night before. And I figured while I was being assaulted, I kind of thought about those photographs. I was like, oh, my God, I hope they don't take those pictures. Right. I had this weird feeling about it. And the morning when they, that morning when they left, I had like barred the door with my brothers. I stayed, you know, we stayed in a room, but we went down there to look for the pictures and I had them all numbered and labeled. I still have those envelopes. I told the FBI, I wanted the FBI to take them and they refused. That's life in prison for child porn. And I had proof DNA evidence that Ghislaine Maxwell committed child porn and, you know, stole pictures of children for her benefit or whatever for this ring. And um, I'm sorry, I forgot what I was saying, basically. Uh, we were just talking about the, uh, the, right after you got assaulted, the guy came to take you away. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so after I was assaulted, I kind of, um, the next morning, uh, Epstein, first Maxwell called, she was like screaming at me about something. And then um, Epstein called and I said, he said that he thought it was fun last night. And I'm like, oh man, no, no, it's not happening. It wasn't fun. And you know what? Um, Ghislaine stole pictures of my sisters. And he was like, what are you talking about? Anyway, so then basically he offered me whatever I wanted. He's like, what do you want, Maria? I'll give you whatever you want. And I was like, I want my freedom, you know? And I hung up and I was like breaking things in the house. I was trying to get out of there. I called everyone I'd ever met. 
in my life, you know, out of my phone book. Most people, it was like long, you know, regular phone calls. You're calling a regular landline. And the people that answered, I found out weren't, weren't that good of people. They hung up on me. They didn't want anything to do with it. This one woman who was supposed to be this head of my school said that I must have done something wrong. And she hung up on me when I told her I thought Annie had been raped and murdered and that I was being, I'd been kidnapped and I was being held at gunpoint. And so it's just really, it's really it's so amazing to me that these people pretend I didn't call, right? They, to this day, pretend to protect this group. And one person admitted I called and that was Eric Fischel. And obviously my family members and friends admitted I called them. Um, a former student that I went to school with admitted it, but they all knew that I was in this horrible distress. Eric Fischel's wife grabbed the phone and hung up on me. I've never told anyone that, but she did. She didn't give a damn about me. She did not care one bit that I was the student that was going to be murdered. She didn't care. She hung up the phone. So it's been a lot of um, abusive women in this too. It's been really weird because the women were just as involved as the men in every aspect of this ring. And Ghislaine Maxwell, she was in charge of this aspect. She's the one who provided all the people, not in charge of the ring, but in charge of Epstein. And she provided all of the, um, all the children and, you know, all the people they were going to use to blackmail, you know, children they used to blackmail people. Um, she provided all of that. And then Sarah Kellen came along. Right. But, but even then there were some others involved. Yeah. Some other, and they're, they're all women. And of course a, a woman is going to trust a woman and that's why they use women. Yeah. So um, I want to hear a little bit about Donald Trump because um, I know it's hard for people <laughs> and it's going to piss a lot of people off because mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of Republicans or right wingers who talk about this, they want to act as if he had nothing to do with it. But you actually saw him come in and he was yeah. eyeing you as if you were his next project. Like I was his meal. Yeah. yeah. He's a disgusting human being. Um, he was exactly like those people in the soullessness, in their greed. Um, also, we can talk about his ex-wife, who's, oh, my God, she's one of them, too. Um, I don't know about his new wife. I never met her. I feel like she could be a victim. You know, she allegedly she was in the Kit Kat Club with Ghislaine. So that's a problem. I feel like she's a victim. But Donald Trump is no hero. Here's what shocks me, that people actually think that there are two sides to this. There's one side. It's the government versus us. Yeah. And I mean, that government, they play all these games. Oh, COVID, no COVID shots. No, it's all uh, conquering and dividing to, and you know, it's, it's just shocking. It is. It's just, I'm sorry. Went off topic a second, but Donald Trump, I saw him. Yeah. On multiple occasions, but one time he made me feel very uncomfortable because it was nine o'clock at night and I was wearing I mean, I'm not like a beauty or anything. I'm just a normal person. You know, I was just a student, but because I had those sisters, that's why they wanted, you know, me. But also I looked very young then. I can show you a picture. Um, I looked like 15, you know, when I was 25. Mm -hmm. And um, so Jeffrey liked having that that around because I looked so young. He would always say, oh, you, look, you don't look your age. You know, we just have to get rid of your breasts. You need to starve. You know, that's what Gilan would say. Um, but it was just disgusting, but 
um, Donald Trump definitely made me feel like I was his dinner when he came in at nine o'clock at night in the um, Helmsley Palace offices, which are at the front of the hotel. They're not part of the hotel. Uh, and those were Epstein's offices. They were over, if you face it, they're over on the left-hand side across the street from the flagship store, the Victoria's Secret store. And um, it was nine o'clock. Epstein called me. He said, I need you to come up here. And I didn't have any money, so I had to go jogging up there. So I wore jogging clothes. And it took me like 30 minutes. And I got there and I waited in the office. He said, I'll be out in a minute. And then like a minute later, in comes Donald Trump. And there's no one. It's a dark office. There's no one in there. The light's not on except in the room over, you know, like over on the side um, next to this room. And so I felt really not not good about this. And he was definitely lascivious towards me, you know, like and I, I made a face at him like this. <laughs> yeah. and I think it made him laugh a little bit, but I did. I made an ugly face because he made me feel dirty. And I don't care what people think. You know, this whole thing made me. um a little bit of an anarchist because I mean, I can't vote. Who, who am I going to vote for? I'm yeah. naturally like, I think I lean as a, I lean conservative, but I, and even though I'm an artist, I grew up in the South, but I cannot vote because I will, I know better. I know better now. It's so sad, but we don't have anything as a country. We don't have that anymore. We don't have that illusion. Hopefully. I mean, hopefully people will figure it out. I get worried when I see like blue waves or, um, you know, Trump's coming back and I'm like, oh, Lord, here we go again. Like, what will it take? Because this is all tied in very much to this pandemic too. you know, all of it. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about Bill Clinton. Um, what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he obviously he was connected. What? How deep did it go? How how many deep? Uh, deep? Yeah, just give us. Yeah. So Trump and Clinton, it was deep, very mm -hmm. deep. Um, and and it was made very clear to me through by Epstein. Um, Ghislaine Maxwell had a huge crush on Bill Clinton. You could tell. So she would dress. She would get like scantily clad, and she would order all the servants servants to do you know extra things be scrubbing the floors polishing the fruit the president's coming oh my god the president's coming she would be screaming i remember and chef andy would have to go to this place eats or eat is what it's called and he would have to get like these um pretzels covered in glaze and then uh, all these candies you know and uh candles and all these special little treats that he would pick up and because the president was coming yeah and uh, everyone would have to leave except Andy. He was the only one who ever saw Clinton there, except Shantae saw him in the airplane and on the island, right? But he, it was like no one ever saw him. That was. And this was while he was president. Yeah. Though. I want everyone okay. to remember that. This isn't yeah. like after he was president. It's this wild. is while he was president. And it was so weird because I would tell my friends, you know, they're like, what'd you do today, Maria? <laughs> I'm like, um, well, I went jogging in Central Park and then I had to get the house ready for Bill Clinton. And they're like, Maria, you didn't get the house ready for Bill Clinton because no one announced on TV that he was coming. And there's no like, you know, there weren't any extra cars or anything like that. And I said, trust me, the president is at that house. And, you know, Gilan would show me pictures later. Oh, look, look at Bill and I. We did this last night. And ta -ta -ta. Yeah. And this is back when you had to get pictures developed. <laughs> so. Right. I remember those days. I was young, but I still remember. <laughs> <that>. <laughs> um, yeah. So you reported back in 1996 and then you basically had to go into hiding who mm -hmm. approached you. And, um, yeah. you know, I, I want to talk about Vicki Ward because mm -hmm. I, 
think people realize what a scumbag she is. Yeah, they, a lot of people like journalists, a lot of journalists know, <laughs> I can tell you that. Um, people don't really want to work with her, but people in general don't know how much she's harmed us and how much she created this situation. Um, okay, so I, uh, right after I escaped um, Wexner's and I was you know, living back in New York, I was trying to live low key, but I, my life was threatened so many times by Ghislaine Maxwell in mi multiple ways. Right. So I, I've started to get worried. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I confided in a friend. I thought she was a friend. This girl, Zandy Forbes wasn't a friend. She was a gossip and she went to Vicky. They went, they, they came from England together. They were a group of girls that were into like getting men with money and um, you know, being kept. That was their goal. So, um, and then they were writers or whatever business people on the side, but really it was about what they could buy at Bergdorf's or Varney's that weekend. And it was gross, but I don't know. I just didn't really know that many people and I confided in her. And then I get this call from Vicki Ward and I'm horrified. I'm like, no, I'm not going to talk to you. Are you kidding me? First of all, I never spoke to Zandy again because I was so mad. Secondly, um, I didn't want to speak to Vicky. I, I didn't trust her. I said, my life's been threatened on multiple occasions. I've been promised I will die. At this point, I had moved to New Jersey and was literally being taken care of by mafia, Italian mob. Okay. I, I just, I needed to be protected. So I was, and I lived in Weehawken and Hoboken, New Jersey. It's mob, mobville. <laughs> and they, they don't want women and children to die. So it was a convenient trade, you know? Yeah. And so I was at this point, I was in Weehawken and Vicky said, no, no, no. I promise your safety. Don't you worry about it. I, I totally promise. If you do this article, Maria, you'll be saving all these other girls, you know, that could be victims. Right. And I said, all right, you know, but it took like months to decide this. And it had to involve my sisters, my brothers, my father and my mother. And we all had to in 2002, right? Or mm -hmm. in okay. 2002. And we had to all agree that um, it, that it was okay. And she had to agree that we would be safe. And she did. And we were promised our safety from that nasty ass Graydon Carter and all those people. They're disgusting. Oh my God, the way they lie about it. You've heard the dead cat head and the bullet, right? On NPR. Have mm. you heard him? Yeah. So Graydon says that I didn't have enough references and that's why it doesn't go through. That's not true. I had all the references. I had three. I had two billionaires and a famous artist. And they have a lot to lose. And so the other thing that Graydon says is that, oh, sorry. So then Vicky didn't tell me that. Vicky said the articles. So after months of working on this, where I'm, she's promised our safety, my father goes with me to her house because I'm not even safe, right? She knows I'm in hiding. She calls me and says, your article is not going to go through. Sorry. Um, you actually it seems that you have no credibility because you wrote this note to Jeffrey and it's, it's got a heart on it. It's hot Maria. It has a heart on it. So I'm telling you now that we're writing a good article about him because it's very clear that you had feelings for Jeffrey by writing a hot Maria. And so we're not going to print that article. She gaslit me. She gaslighted me and she lies about it. And that's what she told me was the excuse for not writing the article. And I felt ashamed. I was like, oh, he is pretty gross. And I put a heart on it. But Ghislaine told me to. She shamed me. She's a real problem. I'll tell you something else. She was overheard in court. 
Sarah Ransom. Okay. Sorry. I'm very defensive of these women because they are not prostitutes. They were children or very young and vulnerable and beautiful, all of them. But they were also brilliant because Jeffrey Epstein had a thing where he wanted everyone to have a certain intellect. And I'm telling you, it's like a group of sleuths knowing these girls. They're geniuses. One of the girls today, she's gorgeous. She's She was an actress. And she's in major films. This isn't a small thing. She is a talent. Like she can draw anything. She can. She's writing her book. She's going to make a movie. I mean, these are brilliant people. These aren't like small things, right? So what drives me crazy is Vicki Ward, who has the tiniest mind. She has ghostwriters write her really bad books, and she just gives herself to really rich men, in my opinion, um, which she's also proven herself to do. It's like setting women back decades, right? Or centuries but anyway sarah ransom is writing wrote a book and it's going to come out and i'm so excited it's going to be an amazing book she's worked on it for quite some time she's so intelligent this girl so beautiful so passionate but very mentally damaged from being on that island um she developed a a port personality disorder and she's not going to get better and it's just vicky was overheard in court saying oh if that is sarah's book then we know that's the best quote out of the whole thing. Cutting down the victim that she created. You know why Sarah's a victim? Because Vicky never wrote that story. No, she wrote it. She just didn't let it go to France. Right. So um, you came out about this in 2019. Or not, I shouldn't say you came out about it, but you you came out publicly out of hiding in 2019. And this was after... You had some medical, um, you had some medical issues that could have permanently re- removed your voice, which I just think mm-hmm. is incredible. I've heard the story, uh, but why don't it you just even? Us- it gets even crazier because since I've told that, it's crazy. So um, basically, well, I had a brain tumor that destroyed my hearing and was, you know, pushing on on my on my vocal nerve. I can't think of the name of it right now, but that also leads to the heart, right? And I also had, this is so weird, cancer covering my heart, lymphoma, Hodgkin's disease. It used to be called Hodgkin's disease. It's Hodgkin's lymphoma. And it was surrounding my heart, pressing on that vocal nerve. And I had four thoracic surgeries in two years. Well, first of all, the radiation could have totally taken away, my brain radiation could have taken away that voice. And they didn't know, and they wouldn't have known for like a couple weeks, right? And then I had four thoracic surgeries where they literally had to go on to that nerve and cut on my aortic arch, cut away tumors from that nerve. And with each one, I did lose my voice for about, you know, a few days to two weeks. And each time I wasn't really told like this could be permanent or anything like that. But the last time they told me and I woke up and I didn't have my voice for two weeks. And I, I, I literally just won't shut up because I feel like, the fact that I was, I got to keep my voice, it's changed. My voice sounds different. It's deeper and strange, but it's mine still. And I get to tell the story. And um, it drives me crazy because you have people like Vicki Ward and Julie Brown that have made themselves famous over this. Yeah. Um, let me tell you about Julie Brown. She came to, she said she was going to come and meet us. Everyone's like, oh, Julie, you're a hero. She's not a hero. She's a reporter. And she did a poor job because she built up those girls, yes, in Florida. But she made a lot of money off of them, and she didn't share any of that money. She didn't do it for them. 
She did it so she could get a whole new plastic face so she could look like an Epstein survivor. It all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, you wanted to look like, so she has blonde hair. She made her nose small. She got her face all tight and she looks 30 years younger than her age. It's creepy. And that aside, she was supposed to come here to meet with us. Um, her coverage is kind of bullshit. She stole Brad's notes, whatever, you know, she's engaged in a lawsuit over that now, but she decided she wrote this book off of Brad's notes and she was going to come here and interview us. And the day she was to interview us, we're waiting and waiting. We kept waiting. She didn't show up. Annie flew to me. We're not wealthy. Annie flew here and was like, damn, you know, I can't afford to fly again right now. So this is weird. We waited. We saw her on TV that day. That's weird. She went to New York to renegotiate her book and for the Epstein arrest. But do you know what happened during that arrest? She point Berman, she and Berman had set up the whole thing to erase me. And make it look like Julie Brown is the reason this Epstein arrest occurred. He said it very blatantly. He said, if not for Julie Brown of the Miami Herald, I wouldn't even know about this Jeffrey Epstein. That was SDNY. I'm sorry. I told them 26 years ago, actually, 1996. Isn't that 26 years? I think. Almost 25 right now. Almost oh, 25. It feels like 900 years. I keep saying 26. because <laughs> I'm always a year ahead because it feels so much longer. But yes, um, Julie Brown, she, she took the credit for, um, for uh, bringing the attention of Jeffrey Epstein to the FBI. How dumb is the audience? He'd already been arrested in 2006. Hello. We all knew about him. But I guess since it wasn't in Florida, like people are too dumb to read two newspapers. I don't know. I don't understand this. But she did. She took credit for it. And then she started harassing me. Yeah. So she wanted to get rid of the whistleblower. She was really mad when Berman got fired. And I think I helped that along. I hate to say it, but I think I helped ruin him. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm just trying to embarrass intelligence as much as possible. Yeah. So the last thing I wanted to ask you is, <clears throat> I mean, we've touched on the trial a little bit, but do you feel that Ghislaine is just going to be the sacrificial lamb and no one at higher levels like Donald Trump or Bill Clinton or Les Wexner, Glenn Dubin, Bill Richardson, Prince Andrew, none of these people are going to be implicated. Is that, is that what your worry is at this point? Yes, but I'm not worried because I have enough faith in the people of the world that justice will prevail. I really do believe that. Um, I don't mean vigilante justice per se. I'm just kidding. No, but I'm, I'm what, <laughs> but what I mean was that I do believe that um, we're getting ready to see some major overthrow of power very soon. I really feel it. You know, it's like, come on, guys, let's do it. You know, this this can't continue where these people, I call them, the, I know Jason calls them the predator class. I'm calling them the pedophile class. Because that's what they are. Why are they all pedophiles? That's a problem. I do know one really nice billionaire who's not a pedophile who didn't participate in any of this. His name's John Paulson. Otherwise, ugh, I think we got a problem. <laughs> I think we've got a problem. Yeah. yeah, I don't believe any of them will be brought to justice by the judicial system. I think that they'll be brought to justice because, first of all, these people live for their reputation. They live for their name, to be on TV, to be... You know, it's funny, um, Ghislaine's lawyers demanded, how much did Maria Farmer make in all those interviews? And Sigrid's like, um, that'd be zero dollars and zero cents because she didn't want to be paid. And Ghislaine couldn't understand it. I didn't want to take money for those interviews. I wanted to share the truth. And and Ghislaine, 
I would have taken money from the next Netflix people, but they didn't offer us any because they were too cheap. So, you know, got that too. Patterson, what a great guy. But um, basically, I don't think the people will be brought to justice in the traditional sense. I think we're about to have a, um, a moment like, you know, where people rise up for justice. Well, you are an inspiration. Um, you know, just going through this at all would be really, hard, uh, really hard to talk about in general, but especially when you have intelligence agencies and powerful people coming after you like you have, and you're a huge inspiration to me. I just want to thank you. Want to thank you. Thank you. I'm so honored. Um, you know, I, I just want to shout out Ryan Dawson. He's the only reason I don't know yeah. anything about you <laughs> because of him. But uh, who else He's would so you want amazing. people? Who else do you want people to listen to other than Ryan? Uh, um, uh, yeah. on this case? Okay, so uh, Bobby Capucci, um, he has a podcast about this. And then there's a guy, um, Generation Z, and he's out of uh, he's out of Canada, and he's doing like you know truth stuff. Um, there's, oh, I don't want to leave anyone out. There's so many nice people. It's like I'm accepting an Oscar and yes. I would love to. I'm just kidding. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, there, yeah, there's another guy, Ian White, who's just starting out and he's really, he's really good. Um, oh, Addy, are you kidding? Um, okay. So Addy, yeah, he's huge. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, is there anywhere people can keep up with you? I'll have your Twitter yeah, and Twitter. your uh, art website in the description. But is there anywhere else you want people no, to follow, or anyone else you want people to follow, or anything like that? Um, Whitney, always. You know, um, I don't know. I'm really bad about knowing the community of people that are talking about this as well as I should by name, but. I just, I think mostly if they follow me through Twitter, then I can lead them to. All right. Well, thank you. We're still allowed to have Twitter. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll see. I've Twitter. already gotten, I've already gotten taken off once. So oh, we'll I've see. gotten taken yeah. off three yeah. times. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much, Maria. You're a brave woman. And um, I, I hope you're right. I hope that the people do prevail in the end and that they realize it's not, right versus left it's us versus the government that i think that's percent yes. spot on yeah thank you all right well, take care